1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm your host, EJ Snyder, the Senior Draft Analyst at Windy City Gridiron, and JB is enjoying his 2020 bye week. So I decided to run the veer a little bit this week and bring on a new guest to the show. Huge fan of his work. He's been a tremendous resource for me when managing the very complicated world of the NFL salary cap. Not my strength. Definitely his. And I'm extremely lucky to welcome Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus to Bears Over Beers. Brad, thanks so much for coming on. Why don't you let folks know how you got started in this little world of ours and some of the stops you made along the way? Well, EJ, first and foremost, thanks for having
2: me. Uh, You're you're too kind. I'm uh, equally honored to be here for sure. Um, Been a fan of Bears Bears Over Beers for a bit. Uh, Yeah, so how I got into this... um, I uh, went to law school and started working at a website called OverTheCap.com. Um, everyone is familiar with Spotrack, uh, which is unfortunate, um, but basically I work at the better version. I, I started working at the better version of that website uh, when I was in law school. I uh, kind of always had a business background, finance background, and I was interested in, in player contracts, stuff like that. And so through that opportunity, uh, I was able to get in touch with some PFF folks. Um, do some things through my law school with negotiating contracts and, and these mock trial negotiations that we did with, you know, you'd say, all right, you're Amari Cooper, you're the Cowboys, go ahead. So all stuff like that. And, and now uh, I'm at PFF doing salary cap work, you know, in, in a full-time you know basis.
1: Congratulations. That's awesome. I'm really excited that you're there. It's a tremendous resource to that team. Um, it'll be great to be able to see some of your work. I, I realize we won't see all your work there, but that's that's awesome. Um, But as you know, we don't just talk football on this podcast. It is Bears over beers. We also do it while drinking beer. Um, You're currently on the East Coast, so you've got a different beer selection available. I'm always a little bit jealous when like Ross Tucker does his show me your beer post on Friday on Twitter and like hundreds of people post their beer fridges. So uh, you've got access to different stuff than we do. What'd you bring on? So I probably let you down a little bit
2: on that note. So I know this might not excite the folks in Chicago, but I was very excited because I haven't had... This beer in a very long time. Uh, I brought on an anti-hero. I found a tall boy anti-hero. Yes, sir. Uh, I, so I haven't had any, um, you know, Chicago beers in a while. So yes, I, I didn't. I didn't exactly expand your horizon to New York beer, but I'm very excited personally.
1: <laughs> well, that's all right. I grew up in New York. I currently live on the West Coast. I have not ever lived in Chicago, um, despite spending quite a bit of time there. So a good Chicago beer is just fine by me. I'm excited because I got to bring on uh, a new beer from a brewery that I really like, Iron Horse Brewery, right over the hill in uh, Ellensburg, Washington. One of my favorite breweries, but they have a new IPA. This is Mel's Magic IPA, 6.8 by volume. Um, It says, big on hops and full of flavor uh, with a deep, well deep character. And it has a picture of a cow staring into a well. Um, so be interesting to see again. I love the brewery. I'll try almost anything they make unless I really dislike the style because I just think they do fantastic work. So we'll, we'll get reports on both of those beers at the end. But, um, speaking of beer, we've got a contest going, uh, which is new for us. Corona beer reached out to us and said, you guys sound like the perfect place, uh, to talk about our football and beer contest. And we said, sure. We first talked to you about it last week. Um, With a lockdown on in many cities and football fans not allowed to tailgate at stadiums, Corona is stepping up and serving up a decked out game day experience directly to your doorstep, Chicago Bears fans. If you win, you will get a shipping container. Yes, a shipping container filled with branded goodies for a deluxe at-home tailgating experience. So EJ, what do I get? If you win this thing, you get a 70-inch big screen TV, a wireless surround sound system, a football helmet chair, and caveat, if one of our listeners wins this, we need a picture of the football helmet chair, a personalized sports locker, grill, and other game day gear. It even comes with a team of masked movers to unpack the truck. We are not trying to break social distancing here. We are trying to give you a game day experience despite it. So, all you have to do to sign up is go to www.gamedaywithcorona.com. That's through December 20th. So you've got a few days. We're recording this on the 16th. It's probably going to come out on the 17th or 18th. So you'll only have a couple of days. Again, that website is www.gamedaywithcorona.com. Now, to Be eligible, you have to be a legal, legal drinking age, and you have to be within 40 miles of Chicago, which means I can't just put my name in to win, Brad, which kind of stinks. Uh, but again, game day with corona.com, enter to win now. You can win a, an entire shipping container full of really cool stuff. So that's awesome of our friends at Corona. Uh, but let's get into Texans versus Bears a little recap um, Bears come away with the win. Uh, beat up on a Texans team that is not playing great defense right now, but uh, everybody knew the storyline was going to be Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky. I actually thought they did a decent job of not making that the main storyline. They did bring it up in the pregame, uh, but it was a little bit more about the game on the field. Uh, What did you see that worked for the Bears uh, on Sunday and let them come away with this victory?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think as you mentioned, and I think it's important to mention, of course, you know, the Texans were a bit undermanned, but I think you only should really bring that up if the Bears, you know, squeaked out a win by a field goal. And so that's why you don't you don't you don't have to you know, preface with that when they dominated the game pretty much in every facet. So, um, you know, I think Bradley Roby arguably was actually a bigger loss than Will Fuller, uh, in my opinion. It didn't help to lose Fuller and Cooks for this game, of course, but but I think. He was really the only cover corner that Houston had at this point. Um, Gary Connolly was supposed to be their CB1, maybe CB2 uh, before the season started, and of course, has been hurt for the whole year. So that kind of opened things up. And, you know, I still don't think that it was necessarily just injuries, though. Uh, I think they're finally starting to lean on, you know, their outside zone identity. I think they're finally starting to, as we've heard about, just kind of not, not condense the playbook, but just go to things they're comfortable with um, and not be afraid to go back to something if it's working. Um, so the takeaway for me was really just kind of the, it was a great game plan. Obviously it was executed, you know, well, um, and that's the thing. I think it was just the execution was clean. You saw fewer mistakes than we've gotten used to this season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. On both sides of the ball, the defense came back to play. They'd been playing very well for most of the year. The previous three weeks to this, they sort of dropped off a cliff statistically, especially in the passing game. They definitely stiffened up. They were able to play with a lead early, which is huge for them. David Montgomery busts out. The interior offensive line play really allowed that to happen. We see, we've see we seen a bit of a solidification of that piece of the line that's been in sort of transition all year. Mustafers come in at center, locked that down, allowed Whitehair to stay at guard. And they're really starting to at least line people up in the running game, if not move them that allowed those holes to open Montgomery goes for a huge gallop to start the game and suddenly the defense is staring at a lead which it hasn't done for most of the year and they can kind of unleash the horses on the pass rush Um, and Pagano did that more often Um, better execution in general and like you said a game plan that really put Trubisky in his happy place rolling out moving pockets half field reads Really quick A or B kind of instant RPOs where he's reading one guy in between him and the receiver and to his credit, uh, you know, that's not saying they dumbed it down for him. They've done that before, but he executed that correctly. I basically jumped out of my seat and cheered when he did that the first time because they've given him those reads before and he hasn't hit the right guy or he hasn't made the right read. He made the right read about three or four times and they actually came back to one of those plays. They ran the the left-hand version of it early in the game. Later on, they came back to the right-hand version of it both times. It was a good solid gain. So this is important, but why doesn't it matter? (laughs)
2: Right. And so that's the thing. So obviously, I tried to avoid that a little bit. But the thing is, you have to look at this game almost like, you know, the garbage time, but for a, for a game like it's it's the garbage time version of the season. So of course, I mean, Houston is done, you know, they're, they're as checked out as they probably could be um, already fired the GM, Well, the coach and the GM, same person, um, obviously a long time ago. Um, and I think the Colts ending really just kind of took the wind out of their sails. I think they were playing for, for fun and and trying to win some games and the season. They obviously don't care about their draft capital, um, because the first, their first and second round picks belong to Miami. But when they lost the way they did, um, against, you know, division rival Colts with the fumbled snap, you know, what are they like right in the red zone? Probably could have scored and won the game against, you know, again, a big rival just to play spoiler, which is, is fun in itself. Um, And so once that happened, I think, like, you kind of just saw them deflated out there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like we said, you have to put it not an asterisk, but you have to at least be aware of of what happened. Um, But, again, like you said, I think it's important to recognize that Trubisky's issues weren't always necessarily predicated on what the defense was doing to him. So we saw him making, like you said, correct decisions, correct reads um he didn't run out of bounds for a sack I saw him twice actually throw the ball away once he was outside the tackle box which another cheer inducing to... <laughs> moment <laughs> <laughs> right well I'm not trying to be facetious maybe a little but you know like stuff like that really does matter um and, and I thought his footwork was better yeah I mean he does love the play action he loves when they cut the field in half like you said when it's an a b um concept just kind of quick read um and then lastly I think it's also important just to know that Yes, they were undermanned, but they were, the Bears are now leaning on their rookies a lot. So we, we saw a lot more Cole Komet. We're seeing a lot of Darnell Mooney. Um, and lastly, as you mentioned, I guess not a rookie, but I, I do think it's encouraging what we've seen from Mustapher. Um I've been pushing the move Cody back to left guard bandwagon for a long time. Uh, and I think that hopefully they agree at some point because he looked incredible. Um, he was throwing combo blocks. He was getting to the second level. He was doing everything that I think he just doesn't feel comfortable with at center. So there were things to take out of it that don't that aren't necessarily you know reliant on the opponent.
1: Yeah, I agree that both things can be true. And by the way, you'd fit right in here at Bears Over Beers because JB has been pounding the table for white hair at guard and guard alone for quite some time. So that's a very familiar <laughs> refrain to our listeners. Um, but love the young player usage. Uh, love the game plan to get Alan Robinson involved earlier. We've been a big proponent of that. They always seem to wait till they're behind, then start throwing to him like crazy about... Halfway through the third quarter. This time we saw him involved pretty well and early. Uh, Mustafer again, very early, solidifying the interior of the offensive line. And one other note on the Bears side, Buster Screen was out for this game. So we got to see Duke Shelley with a lot of snaps. Now, Shelley's not a rookie this year, but uh, he is really one of the two guys with Kendall Vilder that is going to be likely counted upon if Buster screens cap casualty. We'll talk about that later on in the show. One of those guys is going to have to step up. And while we saw some pluses and minuses, which I think you're going to see in anybody's first start, especially at nickel, a little bit of confusion on a couple of plays. He did play aggressively and start to come forward on routes, which is kind of a fuller trademark. Uh, and, and <laughs> Shelly was the same way at Kansas state. So him using that is going to be his strength. Um, A positive return. Cole Komet, uh, we haven't talked about a lot because he hasn't been getting a ton of snaps. Definitely led all tight ends with snaps in this game and had a couple of plays that really fired up the offense. So those are all good things uh, moving forward. And we can say, I think it's okay to say, look, the Texans are beat up a little dispirited and came in undermanned especially on the receiving side but the bears also played well with what they had the defense rebounded we started to see a run game and they kept trubisky sort of in the envelope and those things combined to create a game where chicago won pretty decisively which we haven't seen very much at all this season now then let's talk about minnesota next week Um, because i don't think it's going to be the same thing minnesota is a very different team than the Texans. Um, so marching into Minnesota, a team you have some familiarity with, uh, what do you see as the major roadblocks for the bears, uh, in a very different game?
2: Yeah. So, you know, personnel wise, they've obviously kind of over, overhauled this defense, uh, and and they've also lost, you know, some key contributors. Um, you know, Anthony Barr was lost early in the season. Daniil Hunter hasn't played a snap. Uh, and it's actually looking like Eric Kendricks is not going to play this Sunday, which I think maybe. Man, he's not as not as big of a loss as Hunter, but he's a, he's a huge loss. Um, and, and so they're you know they're leaning on these youngs these young corners, um, who have gotten better for sure. Um, but I still think you can kind of pick on Jeff Gladney a little bit in the slot. Um, you know he's coming along, his game's definitely getting better, but I st- still think he's, um, you know the guy to target there. But yeah, but on defense, I I think it's it's mind games. You know I think Mike Zimmer is one of the best defensive coaches in this league. Um. And, and it's for a reason. Um, and, and so he's going to scheme up a lot of pressures, a lot of, a lot of, you know, just weird looks, a lot of things that Trubisky's never seen before. Um, and that, I think, is the main difference, is that it's not so much the personnel, but really just kind of what they're throwing at them that could maybe kind of confuse him and, and, and get him off kilter. Uh, and then lastly, I mean, they run the offense that the Bears are now trying to kind of implement. So in theory, they should have a very good understanding of how to, you know, deal with the outside zone rushing game with the play action, with all of that, it's their offense.
1: Yeah, Kirk Cousins is one of the best play action artists in the NFL. I think uh, between him and I would say Baker Mayfield is his understudy. Those guys sell play action fakes harder and work decisively and conclusively than just about any other quarterbacks in the league. And it generates them a ton of space um, on a lot of their offensive plays. So you mentioned the corners, Dantzler and Gladney. Dansler definitely improving. Started slow. He's playing outside. Gladney more in the slot. Slot's a tougher position to pick up. There's just a two-way go on pretty much every route. Uh, but I like the matchup there. I think if you get Miller on the inside and Miller is uh, feeling all right, he can take advantage of a guy like Gladney. He runs good enough routes uh, that he can frustrate him. Uh, Kendricks is a very interesting loss, especially with Cole Komet starting to heat up, right? Kendricks is typically the guy they would put on Komet to sort of try and erase him. And I think he could. Kendricks is a very good player who I like a lot. If he's out, uh, it's definitely a downgrade in their defense and they're going to have to sort of hybridize that responsibility. Maybe put a guy like Harrison Smith down on Komet if they start to go to him early and get production. So, but Zimmer's tremendous. He's going to bring, look, he knows how to frustrate Mitch. He's going to play a lot of zone. He's not going to give him a lot of straight man looks. They're going to bring pressure, even though their line is depleted. You said hunters and hasn't played a snap yet this year. He'll find ways to generate pressure. And uh, that'll be a real test for Mitch as to whether he's developed and whether he can see that. One of the things that was disheartening to me, and there weren't many, uh, about the game versus the Texans is he actually called out a zero blitz pre-snap. He saw it. He saw it coming. He called it out and he still took the sack. He knew he needed to hit hot and he knew the blitz was coming and he still didn't deal with it very well. We see quarterbacks every week. We saw Deshaun Watson on the other side deal with zero very well. Uh, we saw Lamar Jackson beat zero on fourth and five for a 30 yard gain. Like you have to beat zero in this league if you're a quarterback. Um, and he's going to see some of it because uh mitch hasn't proven that he can do it and zimmer's not opposed in certain situations to bringing the house uh to try and frustrate him so he's gonna have to overcome that they do have more balance they have a true rushing threat look dalvin cook was you know as of last sunday leading the league tied for the league league in offensive touchdowns with Devontae adams this guy can absolutely run the ball they understand his strengths and that system you're talking about the outside zone finding him lanes or making him lanes And uh, that's going to be a bigger challenge for the defense. They're going to have to play both ways. Uh, Thielen and Jefferson are very good at the wide receiver spots. And if the pass rush is either playing from behind or uh, isn't able to generate pressure in the ways that it wasn't in the weeks previous to the Texans game, this could be a very long day for the Bears. So getting some points early will be key. And Mitch not succumbing to um, looks he's not familiar with is going to be the other big deal. Um, so it'll be an interesting game and it'll be sort of a, I don't want to say rubber match, but it'll be, I think a clearer picture of where the bears really are at this point in the season, uh, than the Texans game was for multiple reasons. But, uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break, uh, give a second to our sponsors and we will be back to move into what I think is probably going to be the meat of this particular podcast is what is the bears outlook moving into the 2021 season? And that's right in Brad's roundhouse. So stay with us. All right, Brad, we're back. And this is the big question. One of the reasons I was most excited to have you on. Um, I really want to lay out for our listeners a clear picture of what the Bears truly look like moving into the 2021 offseason. And that's uh, both financially, where they are with cap space, with contracts. Uh, we'll talk about coaching in GM because we have to do that. Um, But one of the first questions I wanted to ask, and this is something that you and I were working on, uh, I had reached out to you about a week ago to start making this list of who are the untouchables on the Bears list. And as for a definition of untouchables, these are folks that if you traded them away uh, pre-June 1st, the dead cap number would be prohibitive. That is, you would be paying them a tremendous amount of money not to be on your team. So when people come up to you and say, oh, I think we should trade Khalil Mack, well, that's great, but if you do it before June 1st, you're talking about 30800000 800 thousand that goes directly onto your cap for Khalil Mack not playing on your team. So based on that, who else are the other folks that you see on the Bears team that are likely going to be there next year, uh, regardless of something exceptional happening, largely because of their contract structure?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the thing with Mac is obviously he's basically on like a quarterback size contract. So, so his will always apply in this sense. But the guys that, that you're not going to most likely not going to see, move, uh, you know, on the way out are guys that have signed recently and have a lot of what we call prorated money, which is their signing bonus money or option bonus money, because that's what accelerates into dead money. So, I mean, Eddie Jackson, Cody Whitehair, Eddie Goldman, you know, those big three, there's no reason to, to move those guys. They still have a lot of money. That's been pushed down the line. And then this offseason, the big two of Robert Quinn and Danny Trevathan, you know, the way the Bears have been able to attack this window that they, you know, kind of miscalculated and thought they had here, but was to push money down the road as much as possible for these older players. So it it creates cash base in the short term, which is great. But, yeah, if you cut them, all of that accelerates back forward. So all those guys I just mentioned and then I I still Nick Foles is going to be on this roster in 2021. I know people might not like to hear that. Um, but it's going to be the case. Um, different than the, than the dead money uh, piece, but also his, I know we heard about him being able to opt out. Um, I was told by someone who, who knows the exact specifics of his contract, he, he is not going to satisfy any of the conditions to enable him to opt out. Uh, he, he would have no reason to want to because no one's going to give him a better deal anyways, but even if he could, he, or you know, even if he wanted to, he can't. So um, that chunk of guys is going to be there, and then they have to figure things out around that.
1: Yeah, this is the core, and this is the the piece that you so beautifully highlighted that I want to make sure our folks understand. Um, so the list we just talked about: Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson, Eddie Goldman, Danny Trevathan. That's the guys on defense. The guys on offense: Nick Foles and Cody Whitehair are really the two that have the larger numbers. If you add up their dead money. If you were to trade them all away, now you wouldn't do this, but if you were to trade all those guys away pre-June 1st, because that's the way the salary cap is structured, pre-June 1st or post-June 1st, it's an important date for salary cap management in the NFL. If you traded them all away pre-June 1st, all those guys, they would account for $100,000,100,000 in dead cap. So that means you'd have a $100,000,000 bill and none of those players. Now the salary cap is projected, we don't know exactly what it's going to be. It hasn't been set for next year. I've heard estimates around the 190 mark, 192, 195, something like that. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, it's going to be 185 to
2: 195
1: range, I think, yeah. Okay, so that's a, you know, let's just call it 190 right down the middle. You would be paying more than half of your salary cap in dead money for guys that we're not helping your team on the field. That's the, that's the picture we're trying to paint here. So these guys are going to be on the bears next year. And the bears are really going to have to build around that core. Now you may like that core. You may dislike that core. You may like those contracts. You may dislike those contracts. That's not really up for debate. Those guys are going to be on the bears because of the financial reality that if they're not, you are out some serious chunks of money. Now, That takes us into what happens with the coaching situation and the GM situation or both. Uh, They are linked together, obviously. Really depends on how the Bears finish out this year. Uh, If the Bears were able to win out uh, and get themselves into the playoffs, which is unlikely, but it's possible. It's still not mathematically impossible for them to do that. It would be very difficult to fire the GM and the coach uh, regardless of what this year has brought, uh, if they created that kind of success and allowed the bears into the postseason, uh, from a PR standpoint, even though, uh, Brad and I may have different feelings about what they should do. Uh, it would be very difficult to do to say, yep, yeah, you got us to the playoffs, but we're going to can you both. Um, let's assume for a second that they don't win out or other teams win more and end up in the playoffs, take the spot. It would be a, the low wild card spot that the Bears were able to get if they were able to get it. Let's say they don't get that. So they end up with a record. They lose, say, two out of the next three games, um, and they're sitting with a decision at the end of the year. If you were in charge, if you were George McCaskey, what would you do with, let's start with Nagy, and then let's go to Pace.
2: Sure. So real quick, just, just uh, touch on one point uh, to give Bears fans some hope. Um, we have it calculated about 14%. So about a one in seven chance the bears make the playoffs, which actually isn't, I mean, it's not high, but, but it's, it's higher than I expected when our, um, you know, when our math geniuses cal- crunched all those numbers for us. Um, but yes, so let's say they don't, um, it's, it, it's, interesting because I think that there's this perception that the two are tied together. Um, and I obviously understand why, but I don't know that it needs to be that way. Um, so you said start with Nagy. So my thing with Nagy is he clearly was very headstrong on not giving up play calling. I think he understood that, I mean, if you're an offensive guru and you're not calling plays, like, what do you really bring to the table? Like, why would we keep you on staff? But, but he's such a good motivator and leader of men in this locker room. He's never lost this locker room, at least from the outside perception. And there's been various points where it seems like maybe that would happen, obviously a six-game losing streak. So I, I like the guy a lot, and I, and I think it's hard to find a coach who can galvanize a group of, of, of men like that. So if he's willing to continue to challenge his philosophy, challenge how he goes about things, you know, I, I've said this on a, you know, all over the place, but, I mean, you look at Bill Belichick, you look at John Harbaugh, they don't call plays on either side of the ball, and there's a couple more guys, that, and they don't call plays. So, you know, I think if, that's, if he's open to that, then, I, then I'm for it. Uh, if he wants to continue to kind of, like, force what he wants to do, um you know if he wants to keep Foles or get another guy that can run his system I, I don't know I don't want to want a coach that has a system I, I, I want a coach that's flexible and adaptable uh, I know it's probably easier said than done but but yeah so you know I think it does depend on his willingness to to challenge you know his his approach to the game and then with pace I mean I'm obviously you know I, I've made my position on that one rather clear I, I just think that the thing with pace that I think folks miss sometimes is that, I mean you mentioned they, they could have three straight winning records it would look kind of crazy to, to say that it, that's that's bad but there's a difference between like okay the Tampa Bay Rays versus LA Dodgers let's look at let's look at that analogy the Tampa Bay Rays making the World Series is an, an incredible feat because their salary was nothing and they they you know that's great the LA Dodgers all of us they made their World Series and all of a sudden yeah of course they did their their, their payroll is a hundred billion dollars and they have every good player ever heard of so the Bears with going 12 and 4, and then 8 and 8, and then whatever 8 and 8. That's not successful if you look at the investment that's been made, and that's where I think the disconnect is. Um, you know, he came in in 2015. He did overhaul the roster. He did build a really good defense that was terrible when he arrived. Um, but again, like that should be your expectation. He spent a top. He spent the ninth overall pick, the eighth overall pick, two first round picks on you know Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, like Khalil Mack, like. Yeah, they should. Like the defense should be good. <laughs> like he's investing a ton of assets into it. So anyway, so I just have a I just have a real problem with him sticking around. I, I just really think he struggles. Um, I think he's a phenomenal talent evaluator. I do, and I think he's terrible in every other aspect of the job. Um, from a football <laughs> standpoint, from a football. I should I should clarify. Sure. I think that under underrated, his job also entails, you know, the new practice facility and training facility at House Hall, the new training staff that the you know, Bears used to be one of the most injured teams in the NFL. Knock on wood. They've been pretty healthy the last couple of years. Um, they've been good with – I mean, look at coronavirus, for their team versus other teams. like, And that all is credit to him as well. And so I should say like, he's great at that as well. But I think that there's too much on his plate. Um, if you're not going to fire him, you need to hire a president of football operations that takes away basically every responsibility of his besides scouting players and and, and being the, you know, the, the, the final say over the 53 man roster. But I just, I can't watch the guy trade up in the draft again. It's going to kill me if I see him do it one more time. Uh, (laughs) I just, I just can't do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, there's a lot of great points that you made on both guys. I'll go after Nagy first and I'm with you that as a leader of men, as a motivator, As someone that understands his players and can get them to play, he's very good at that part of the job. In terms of the offense, he's terrible at that part of the job. And by terrible, I mean demonstrably terrible by the numbers. Like the Bears offense has been bouncing off the bottom. Not somewhere in the middle, not somewhere in the lower third. They're either 31st or 30th in every offensive category that matters. So... When you say you got an offensive coach and you've got offensive players, we see it. Like David Montgomery is a talented player. Allen Robinson, talented player. Darnell Mooney, talented player. Um, Some talented players on the offensive line. Not enough, but some talented players on the offensive line. This is not the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, right? There's enough players to win. We have a coach that supposedly, quote unquote, has a system offensively. And what he's been able to produce for whatever reason has been 31st right in a league that is driven by offense and if they don't score points you will not win in this league that is the way the rules are assigned uh that is the way talent is aligned if you do not score a lot of points in this league you will not win your margin for error will be extremely small and you'll lose more than you win so even if he gets quote unquote better how much better is that going to be on the offensive side right if he goes from 31st to like 18th He's still below average, he's still below the midline, and he's still probably going to be losing more games than he wins because the defense is going to start to even out. You're going to lose some talent on the defense because you have to, money-wise. So my question is, how good is it that he's the leader of men if he's not willing to completely take hands off and say, we're going to bring in a young play caller, or we're going to give Laser the whole meal deal and I'm going to keep my fingers out of it. Neither of those are my favorite choices. And what I really want to see is an offensively talented head coach uh, that has a system that works. A guy like Arthur Smith in Tennessee is a good candidate. A guy like Brian Dable who's done great things in the Bills organizations, would be a guy um, because you're not going to get a guy like that to come in as an offensive coordinator, not from the pro level. If they're already doing that, their next stop is head coach, and they're going to have those offers this offseason, let's be completely honest. So where does that leave a guy like Nagy? You're basically saying, I need your job to attract this guy. Um, And I'm all for that because if the Bears don't get into the modern offensive era, which is really what we thought was going to happen with Matt Nagy, Um, they're not going to have a chance to win consistently. I like Matt Nagy as he seems like a good guy. He definitely seems like a great motivator and a coach. His offensive system hasn't worked. That's the big first strike for me. And the other thing is the assemblage of coaches that he has had around him, many of whom have already moved on, um, have not made the players in the Bears building better there are very few players that you can say they came in and they got a lot better right now. There is a guy like Darnell Mooney might just be Mooney. There are those incredibly motivated individuals that are going to get better no matter where they are. But in general, you don't see those lower or mid round guys. We see a little bit of it in Mustafa now, which is good, Uh, but you don't see those lower mid round guys coming out of nowhere, playing significant snaps and really getting better. And in order to build, a talent base in order to build an organization to win in the nfl you have to have that you have to be able to survive that like you said the bears have been very healthy a couple of key areas where the bears could have taken an injury this year and they'd be way worse outside corner is one of them inside linebacker is another right if you're playing iggy at inside linebacker and whomever at outside corner because either fuller or jalen johnson went down Like you wouldn't be winning a lot of games. Whereas you look at a team like San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan has lost his starting quarterback, his leading edge rusher, his all world tight end, and they're still cranking out wins, right? There's still, there's no excuses. And you see a lot of guys off the bottom of that roster making big plays every week. Bears fans don't see that. So those are my two major strikes against Nagy. I would probably say that he moves on in the off season. Again, if he makes the playoffs, I think that's highly unlikely, But my thing is, how much better can that offense get and where's all the progression generally from the entire roster? And that is a coach's job is to make sure that his coaches underneath him are coaching them up and creating a talent base for the organization. Ryan Pace, a different story. We are absolutely advocates on this podcast of splitting those responsibilities into sort of a president And somebody that is in charge of everything football, but nothing else. No stadium building, uh, no ticket prices, no parking, no concessions, no public events, PR, media strategy. That goes to the the president's job. Uh, There are very few Fortune 500 companies that have one person in charge of all of that. In fact, none that I can think of. (laughs) Right. There are no sort of golden idols that just like I'm going to do everything and just go rubber stamp everything on their desk. Um, They divide those responsibilities because they are there's so many of them and they're so disparate. Um, And I'm with you that I think, uh, again, my delineation with Ryan Pace is early Ryan Pace and late Ryan Pace. Early Ryan Pace is amazing. If you look at Ryan Pace after three years, you look at the roster he inherited and the roster he had after three years. He was tremendous. And I was a huge Pace supporter because of it. He overhauled the roster. It's not even comparable. Just take those rosters and take a look at them and you'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot that guy was even on the team. That's terrible. (laughs) So he was really good, but then he started to slip. And it doesn't have a lot to do with Trubisky because I was a big Trubisky supporter when he was was drafted. It has a lot more to do with the things. Even more recently, this last offseason is a perfect microcosm. Three big signings, Robert Quinn, Nick Foles, and Jimmy Graham. And i you can argue that every one of them was mishandled from a salary perspective, from yep. a, a window perspective, uh, a talent-based perspective, uh, a balance between offense and defense perspective. Like, just about every way those contracts could go wrong, they have gone wrong. Um, and it his moves have become harder and harder to defend. So a lot of people question do I want to entrust him with draft capital and the choice of the next quarterback, no matter how that happens. And the most common grievance that I hear usually from JB, but also from you and lots of other fans to be fair is if I see this guy trade up one more time and as a draft guy, a guy that started out in the draft, that's how I got into this. He doesn't understand value, like where you get, which things and what each thing is worth. And sometimes, uh, for all his conviction of quote unquote his guy you got to let that guy go right there's another guy or there's two more guys that you could get with the two picks that you'd spend to get the one so everybody's going to miss in the draft everybody does miss in the draft but are those misses more expensive or less expensive and his understanding of that particular piece draft value i agree he's a good evaluator but his his understanding of draft value and what you pay to get that position at a certain time is inherently flawed. So I would say if they end up with a 500 or less record, certainly don't make the playoffs, that you do do a clean sweep and you split the president and GM job, which means you're really hiring three people, but that's okay. There's no salary cap on coaches or executives. You can have as many as you want. So uh, that would be my recommendation. Now, Now we'll see how it happens. We'll see how it plays out. I like watching the bears win games. Last Sunday was fun. The game against the lions was pretty fun until the end. Like they played pretty well, you know, well enough to win. And then they lost it at the end. I like seeing the bears win as a bears fan, but I'm also, I have that eye towards the future. um, And I understand that those are two different perspectives that players and coaches are not like, give me a draft pick. Players and coaches are like, my salary depends on me winning no matter who I am. So I realize that that's the organization's perspective versus players and coaches perspective. Um, so I like to see them win, but if they don't win and they do end up cleaning house and they, and they clean out the GM and they clean out the coach, regardless of whether or not they split that position, do you think that Chicago is an attractive place? Because Chicago is not the only team that's in this situation. Like you said, you mentioned the Texans earlier, they've already fired their coach GM, same person. Um, We've seen, uh, the, the Atlanta do the same thing. Uh, the lions do the same thing, right? It is, it's going to be a year that there's going to be a lot of pressure on that talent base of guys that can perform at the GM level. Given that Chicago throws themselves into the ring. Do you think that Chicago is an attractive destination or where would you rank it among the places that are already open?
2: Yeah no it's a great question and and so like you mentioned uh, what's gotten him in trouble is is what I always like to say is that look at the process not the results um and, and so like you mentioned like you know he was he was trying to trade up for Cole Komet this year he he cannot if he falls in love with the guy he cannot not get that player i mean he gave Jimmy Graham a no trade clause in a two year di- like it's that's literally unheard of anyways <laughs> um i, I and I, but it ties into the answer because he's made it less attractive because they have more draft capital than they've had in a long time, but they still don't have a fourth-round pick. They traded it away uh, to to a division rival, Minnesota, um, and and they're pretty tight on cap space as well, of course. Um, so I, how I would rank them? The thing is, is that Atlanta is probably in a worse cap situation. Um, they do have Matt Ryan, um, but I think I think I, I personally I would probably put the Bears above Atlanta, um, but Houston would be above because just because Deshaun Watson, because you can just figure everything else out around him. Uh, then Jacksonville, there are a lot of people that push back on, you know, is, is the owner, uh, what Tony Khan or no Shad Khan? I think mean, Tony's his son. Is he a little bit too hands on or is he too hands off or, or whatever, but they have the most cast base in the NFL. They have two first round picks. Um, they're obviously going to, you know, get a new quarterback. So that, that makes a, a lot
1: of difference. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It, ma- it makes a big difference. Um, that's the thing. Like you said, if they went out like the job, I think if, if the Bears finished with the eighth overall pick and could trade up to get, you know, a Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, then it's maybe more more enticing. But now I think that's probably not going to happen. So and who am I missing? So Washington football team, they're, they're probably going to hire a GM, but he'll be more of a figurehead. And Ron Rivera will be the guy controlling the 53 man roster there. Um, and then who am I blank? Other than Detroit. Uh, I put them. I put them ahead of Detroit as well. Um, it does sound like like the new owner, the new Ford, um, Sheila Ford Hamp, that's, that she also wants to kind of revamp their process, maybe change the structure. But I'll put the Bears above the lines as well. I, I think yeah, that's fair for now. So kind of middle of the pack. But the thing is about it is that, like you mentioned, the defense. You know, it's getting older. It's one of the older defenses in the league. You have. You might not have a, an established wide receiver on the roster. You might have to replace at least one, if not both, starting tackles. I think Massey's probably gone. I think Leno probably sticks. Um, and you don't have a quarterback. It's like, that's, I mean, like, if you're a GM, like, you'd say, okay, who's your quarterback? Okay, who are your receivers? Okay, who are your tackles? Like, that. those would be your first three questions. So, but at the end of the day, um, the McCaskies are patient. The McCaskies do spend money. I don't get why there's this perception that mm. they're cheap. They're not cheap at all. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's enticing and attractive in that way. Um, and, and, yeah, and it is, it is a founding franchise. I kind of make fun of folks for, I think, putting a little bit too much weight into that. But there is some prestige there as well.
1: Yeah, they've got a window. And I think that's what folks are going to have to get used to. And it's not the same window we've been talking about for the last couple of years that Ryan Pace thought he had as a competitive football window to take this team to the top of the conference and, and hopefully to the Super Bowl they really were lining up for that. If you look at their salary cap structure, if you look at the way they spent draft picks, all the resources in the organization, they they sold out for largely this year. And the wheels fell off last year. And it they couldn't right the ship with what they thought were the patch fixes uh, for this year. But that doesn't mean that the money isn't spent, right? That is spilled milk. That is, that is sunk cost, as we say. So, they're not going to be able to do, most likely, a sort of uh, gloss it over rebuild, right? A sort of uh, shed a little bit of salary, get a few things, and then we'll, we'll take another shot. They don't have a quarterback. And if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, you are in need of one. And there is nothing else more important. Y- you have to have a quarterback. And like you said, the Texans have nothing for draft capital. Their salary cap situation is okay. The rest of the town on their roster is okay, but you've got Deshaun Watson in the building. I'll, I'll do it, right? I'll take it. I have a very <laughs> important piece of what's going to make me successful right there in front of me, bird in the hand. And the Bears don't have that. Some of those other teams you mentioned, Detroit and Atlanta, they've got that. It's an aging starter, but those guys are still playing at a winning level. They've got a couple of years if they want the window. The Bears really have to take a different lens and say, We don't have that guy in the building. We're somewhat unlikely to get him this year because we can't bundle up a bunch of draft picks and go get that guy. We've now pushed ourselves to the middle of the draft order after last week. They were at uh, 15th or 16th, I forget, um, down from about 10th uh, due to their win. And that's going to flex for the rest of the season, but it's not going to flex up into that single digit range most likely. So they're going to be right where they kind of always are, right outside the top 10, looking in um the top three maybe four quarterbacks are going to go before their pick maybe one more get, guy gets picked that's the other thing that kills me brad and i'll just share that with you is everybody's saying oh six quarterbacks in the first round this year okay folks here we go i'll put it on record the tenure average for quarterbacks is 3.6 in the first round 3.6 okay. so four is an outlier five is a serious outlier six is forget about it and what happens is as you get back down to the end of the first round guys are looking at that fourth quarterback in the draft and they go do i want the fourth quarterback in the draft at 20 or do i want the number one safety or the number two left tackle or the number three you know overall right tackle like it doesn't really matter anymore. And they weigh and they go, oh, I'll get a quarterback in the second round, right? I'm not going to spend my first round pick on the fifth best quarterback and certainly not the sixth. So whenever anybody looks you in the eye and says six going in the first round, say, oh, five in the first <laughs> round is is a very heady first round quarterback selection. Um, it's not going to happen. And the Bears aren't going to do that either. They're not going to say, oh, the fourth best quarterback is our best choice at 14, right? We're almost in the top third of the draft at that point. There are going to be other players that are more attractive, or if somebody does really want a quarterback there, if Ryan Pace was smart enough, he would trade back mm-hmm. and pick up a couple of picks because this team could use them. But what that means is you're not likely to have that guy this year. You don't have the salary to go get a Dak, right? If he comes available, if if the Cowboys let him go, and you don't have the draft picks to go up and get one of the top 3 or 4 guys. So it means that you're probably going to be stop-gapping, bridging at quarterback, the game's most important position, possibly the most important position in sports, through the next season. Doesn't mean you can't win. We've seen what Ryan Fitzpatrick did with the Dolphins, right? Good roster around him. It's possible to get some wins, but you're not going to get that guy. So your window is really two more years until you're there. If you don't get that guy this year, you're either looking at a rookie or having the money or picks to go get a veteran guy that comes loose. So who's going to be around and who's still going to be viable two years from now that's on your roster? And when you start looking at guys like Hakeem Hicks, the answer is they're not going to be, which means move them now and start amassing whatever that capital is, whether it's picks or money or both, so that you can do that. You don't have a quick fix, right? You can't go out and grab a DAC and say, "Well, we're going to we're going to make another run at this thing this year." You're not in that spot. You do have a mini rebuild coming that is probably going to take the next two seasons before you're ready to kind of strike and and get balanced. Doesn't mean you can't win games, doesn't mean you can't be a fun team to watch, doesn't mean you can't be competitive. But what it does mean is that guys probably not in the building this year unless you get extremely lucky. It does happen or you're waiting until next year and you're finding your best couple of options and hoping for lightning in a bottle, right? You trade a low round pick for Sam Darnold and it works out, right? He loves the system. Those things happen, but that's the most likely scenario and the whole, let's go get our guy. We need our guy. It's probably not going to happen this year. So just kind of set your jaw for that bears fans. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be a thoroughly interesting process or a fun team to watch just means at the end of this, you know, particular draft and off season cycle, you're not going to probably be looking at your primary Alpha One starter quarterback for the Bears.
2: So. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think one thing you mentioned, you know, to the quarterback point, I do think there's going to be four that go um, in the first round, uh, and maybe a fifth if we see maybe like Lamar Jackson, where a team maybe trades up to the 32nd pick just to get that fifth year option, and that that guy would be Mac Jones, in my opinion. I think I honestly think we might see a one, two, three. Uh, I think Zach Wilson has been ascending just like crazy and then i think trey lance it's funny though with the bears the one year you know one year and one game starter um from an fcs school so i doubt they're going to take that risk but the other reason is that this this draft class is loaded at tackle and wide receiver um it's not a great edge class but basically like you said the first round you're not going to sit there and say oh we could take you know christian derisaw alex leatherwood or we could take mac jones like yeah we're going to take the tackle two over quarterback five so i totally agree agree with you there though um, and I think that's the way they should approach it. I think it's clear that, yes, a rookie quarterback can come in and can totally turn a franchise around, but you still do need pieces around them. Uh, and to your last point, too, you mentioned Kyle Fuller and Akeem Hicks, who are A.J. Bowie and Careful.
1: Campbell. Careful. Don't go after and, Fuller. You can t- you oh, can well. have Hicks. <laughs> Fuller's my oh, guy. Okay. We'll talk about that, but feel oh, free. Okay. Finish no, your sorry. point. I thought you, Finish I thought your you point.
2: said his name. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally hear that. I love Kyle Fuller as well. I think he's a stud. Uh, he, But he basically needs an extension this offseason or, or, you know. But anyways, like if, you said, if, you, hypothetically, if you wanted to do that, Kyle Fuller and Akeem Hicks are Jacksonville's A.J. Bowie and Calais Campbell. You move those guys for a fourth and a fifth. Not that great of a return, but you just have to offload big contracts and, and kind of turn the page, turn the corner. Um, that's the other option. Or, like you said, you try to attack this window a little bit longer. Um but that's the thing, like, I keep coming back to, like you said, is that you're, you're probably not getting a rookie this year, a quarterback. And then if you get one next year, he's not going to be, like, you know, taking you to a Super Bowl in his rookie season. So, and then by 2023, I mean, all bets are off. I, I mean, the defense could be, you know, Hicks could be retired for all we know. Like, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, I'm with you there
1: 100%. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, to be fair, I'm a Fuller stan. And the only problem <laughs> that uh, I have with moving Fuller is – yes, you save some money, but do you really? Because that either means you have to get that number one alpha corner high. You've got to spend a one or a two typically to get that guy on the boundary like they did with Jalen Johnson that can come in and contribute right away at a high level. They are available in the second round. We see evidence of that, but right now you've only got two and you could really use three because if any of those guys suffers a high ankle sprain, you're, you're going to be exposed for six to eight weeks. And if you It's the sort of do you move Fuller out and generate a new problem that's going to be very expensive because you talked about positions, and I I really appreciate that earlier in terms of value, and we were talking about Pace's appreciation of value, and there are certain positions, quarterback being the top one, obviously, offensive tackle, which you mentioned, wide receiver is pretty darn expensive. The one you didn't mention is corner, right? Corner, boundary corner especially really expensive proposition. And I mean, expensive either way, if you pay for them in free agency, you're going to pay a bunch of money to get the top free agency corners. If you spend draft capital, it's going to be a one or a two. Typically, if you're going to get that guy, that's going to come in and start a lot of reps on the outside of the boundary. So by moving Fuller out, it you sort of create a hole that did, you then have to go spend a bunch of capital, either draft or money, to fill. Hicks is a little less so. Now, I don't think you're going to get the quality of Akeem Hicks pretty much anywhere, because he's a blue chip player. Uh, but you can get a guy that's going to approximate 80% of his value, again, by spending an okay pick, um, or better yet use the money ball approach and get two guys that you can rotate in and keep fresh that are going to give you maybe 75% of his impact, but are going to cost 20% of his combined salary, right between two of them. Um, so there's, it's just a position, positional value approach to building a roster, which I find fascinating. And we could spend a whole nother hour talking about that. But, um, Fuller is the one guy in that sort of leverage (laughs) category that I'm like, eh, I could see keeping him. Everybody else, I really think of, you know, Hicks again in two years. What's Hicks going to be in two years besides really expensive? Um, And the answer is he's not going to be around when your window reopens. So I know that's hard for Bears fans. It's hard for me. I love Akeem Hicks. He is tremendously fun to watch play. But you've got to be a little forward thinking and set this team up so you don't continually stumble down the road in the middle of mediocrity. But on to happier things. Uh, how was that beer? It was
2: great. Obviously, Chicago people know I was happy to finally get to experience it. It's been a long time. Um, big fan of the IPAs. So, uh, and I'd never seen a Tallboy Antihero, so maybe they don't even make it in Chicago. I got a special.
1: <laughs> well, you get to New York City, they just like more, M-O-A-R. So Tallboys are, <laughs> tall are common, among other things. But uh, Mel's Magic IPA from Iron Horse Brewery over in Ellensburg, Washington. Fantastic stuff. Um, Really well balanced, if you don't like the bite of IPAs, if you're really not into those high IBU counts, like my regular co-host, JB, who avoids them like the plague. This has a nice malty backbone to it for an IPA. Uh, Balances out really well, smooth drinking, um, great stuff as usual from Iron Horse. I am glad I have five more of these in my fridge. (laughs) So always great to experience a good new beer. But uh, before we get out of here, where can folks find you and find your work? Because uh, you are a tremendously insightful follow on Twitter.
2: Thank you again. Uh, I appreciate it. And, and uh, ditto, because I've learned I, – I can't, I can't express enough how much I've learned about the game of football from yourself uh, and, and definitely with Brett now and, 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 and JB, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at PFF underscore Brad. Um, I do have a focus on the salary cap and I, and I am a Bears fan, but I really, you know, cover uh, the entire league and, you know, not not just dollars and cents. I know it gets boring eventually. So uh, anything related to free agency coming up, trades, the draft, all stuff like that. Um, and yeah. And then I have content coming out every once in a while on you know PFF.com.
1: Very cool. Thank you very much again for subbing in on JB's Bi-Week Always great to bring new voices to the pod, especially ones that bring a different light um, or a different filter. Uh, There are so many stories in the NFL and about the Bears, any particular team. It's one of my favorite things about football. It's endlessly fascinating. You can dig in. It's just layers upon layers upon layers. So really happy to have your insight. Uh, and your contribution this week we'll have to have you back on the pod when we start uh, getting into the off season and talking about where the dollars and cents ended up but until then bears fans uh pay attention enjoy the minnesota game no matter how it goes hopefully we get to see some of those young players get some good snaps and develop it'd be great to see a bears win but even if we don't it might increase their draft capital a little bit uh, it's kind of a no-lose situation at this point in the year so hang on and bear down